Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew B. We're here. Number 51. Awesome. We broke past 50, and Becca is here this week. Hi. Here she is. Here she is. All right, Becca, take us into story time. All right. I got a house update. The builder called me uh, this week and asked asked if I needed to stick to the original closing date of April 30th. Okay. You got a closing date. Awesome. I don't know yes. if we had that last week. No, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think I got it about a week ago. Okay. Awesome. And so since they gave us the date, I went ahead and scheduled movers and everybody to help. Um, you know, not for the day of closing, but, uh, you know, a couple days out. Uh-huh. But the kicker is my husband is leaving for work right after the closing until that till the weekend. So I was uh-huh. like, uh, I kind of need to stick to that date or you're not going to have somebody sign the paperwork. <laughs> yeah, that could change like, things. Uh, okay, I'll stick to that. And what but, phase of construction were they in when they set the closing date? Um, Just before countertops were actually, cabinets were installed. Okay, so cabinets were installed, countertops were yeah, not installed? That is correct. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's easy to reschedule movers and things. It's just not easy to reschedule a work trip. Um, But that kind of got me thinking about marketing doesn't really have control over the process of building homes, but we are kind of in charge of the total buyer experience. And this is one of those things. It's like that class that doesn't require you to go to class to get an A. You just have to get a really good grade on your two finals. And uh-huh. this is one of the finals. Yeah. So, I mean, like it. I've got me thinking, what can marketing do to help prepare home buyers for if this happens? Mm. Uh, you have you have answers <laughs> first? Because I, I can't want <laughs> well, I mean, I think one of them is to just send out a personalized email. Hey, we're setting your closing date. This is the day we expect it to be. They can still change. And here are the things you might want to hang on mm. and not quite schedule yet. That makes sense. Just the clarity of this is not final because sometimes yeah. construction folks, supervisors, they I love them for this because when you have a problem that, that only a construction person can solve, you're like, I want that person who's going to lead me into battle and can yeah. get the troops, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, there's a little bit of overconfidence and kind of ego that's like, oh yeah, we're going to totally make that go ahead and everything's going to be fine. Instead of having, like you said, a more measured communication of this is when we're shooting for, but it may yeah. be within that week or two week period or something, you know, yeah. over committing too early on. Kind of like in the pre-sale process, don't say your community is definitely opening on March 15th, a year in advance. You don't need to. No need. No. Nope. Early spring, late spring, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever that is. That's summer down here, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, so you you didn't, you just had a phone call, not a email update or anything. Right. So he gave us the date of April 30th. I probably want to say a couple of weeks ago. Um, And I think he's going to be able to hit it because Dan won't be around to sign the documents. But otherwise, I mean, it's really not that big of a deal for me. But I think if you're moving from cross country or you've sold your house and you're in an apartment and you got to organize rent or how much longer you'll be in there if they're trying to get you out because they have new people already renting, then that can really get uh, compounded quickly. <laughs> and your good experience, because so far this has been a great experience, can turn south really quickly. Now, just was trying to think of ways to keep it from going south. Even just the way that you're saying it kind of came across was they asked you if you needed to stick to the original date. That's just yes. an interesting way of like, you're, no matter what now, they've embedded in your mind that things are going to be a rush from here on out and yeah. things may get missed or skipped or, well, we'll yeah. Come back and fix that later, and yeah. so there's almost it's almost going to be impossible for it to be a stress-free or tension-free experience from this point out, even if the date does get hit. Yeah, especially since he told me that I'm ten of ten houses that have to close in April. He told you you're in last place. Yeah, last place. <laughs> 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 oh, Nobody well, puts Becca in the corner. That's not a good no. idea. <laughs> Becca's been to Snoop Dogg concerts. She sailed around the world. <laughs> Don't underestimate yeah. Becca. She'll come get you. Most extreme. Extraordinary woman. What's the uh, most interesting woman? What's that commercial? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's more like the random things that Becca comes oh, okay. up with. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Sailed around the world. Random facts from Becca. Well, I am not Beautiful. building a house still. I'm sad mm-hmm. about that. I just, Aww. every year I want to build a new house. And my wife won't let me. So 
my story is instead just kind of an interesting discussion. Not not that it's wrong. It's just hit, it, something that would not have occurred to me until it was phrased me this way, which was got an email from a builder partner who was concerned about traffic over the course of, of one week. Now, one week is also hard. It's a very concise period of time. And especially if you're comparing one week to another week, it, it can be real iffy. Now, that's when yeah. a whole bunch of things can come into play. But in that analysis of what was going on, I went into the CRM and I pulled out all of the, the lead count in the system. And I said, oh, it doesn't actually seem like things are down. It seems like overall things are pretty much steady. And what came back was, well, that what you're looking at in the CRM there is a combination of walking traffic and online leads. And so I don't know that that's the way that I'm expecting you to look at it. And it just made me pause for a second, like, why? Well, maybe I'm wrong about this, but that's that's the way to look at it. <laughs> because if we believe, like we do here, do you convert that 100% of everyone is influenced by the internet, that walking traffic volume is also influenced by your digital marketing. And again, I feel kind of silly for saying that, but I'm also just throwing it out there to the two of you to say, is that a bias that I should be careful of or what? Um, I think <laughs> it's one of those things that's so simple. You, you can start to think about it too much and you're like, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I think if you think about it in the opposite effect, like, hey, on-site traffic's down, what can we do online to bring it up? It's like, whoa, 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 you can't say that and then have it the other way, right? Maybe that's right. like an argument that's, you can't really have that argument. But like if, if online traffic, if online ads does not get any credit from on-site traffic, then online ads <laughs> can't <laughs> Told you it messes you traffic. Up. But I know right? exactly like, what you mean. You yeah, can't have it, it both ways. Like you can't, I don't think you can have it both ways. It would well, it logically not make sense. Let me just throw this in there. So oh, we found good. our house on Zillow uh -huh. and went directly there. Didn't call, didn't do anything, just showed up on site. We did the same thing. Yeah. Like, so. Yeah. <laughs> So very, okay. but we're, this, this episode brought to you by Zillow. Uh, trust us that the second half oh. of the episode will oh, be I mean, clear uh, that we're not, but, uh, online, but then just that's crazy. No, that's good. Walked in. No, that's yeah. the reality. We want to, we want to be truthful Actually, about what happened. No, I was yeah. I'm stepping back. I submitted a thing on Saturday, uh -huh. like morning. I went to Costco that same day, joined Costco <laughs> because that's what any great dude does. Join Costco. And on the way back, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to go there. Like I didn't hear back from them yet. Like I'm just going to go in. And I, I even yeah. told them like, Hey, I submitted form online but i was like this is literally on the drive back so here i am and who i have no idea what their crm recorded i would assume the on-site agent would want like oh yeah Andrew, man that's they came straight me instead of quote through the osc or something yeah so i'm both you are both i didn't I'm even both. try to do a form that's exactly what i'm saying though becca is that you're the digital marketing drove the online tr on-site traffic yeah yeah and this person was kind of saying well i don't want to look at it that way i just want to look at online attribution over here and offline attribution over here and when i'm looking at online only website traffic itself may have been down, but lead count was the same. And so I think there's something wrong with, and not that that, that initial question isn't like, hey, we should dig into that and look into it. But it, it, that wasn't really the way that it came across as much as I think something's broken because my lead count is down. And he was speaking specifically just about online leads. And I was looking at more holistically. And I think you have to do both. You have to look at things as separate channels and then collective yeah. when you're doing the analysis at the end of the day. Sure. And would you, this would be for our listeners, would you ever want to look at a week over week period in terms of leads like a lead like looking at that like comparing week over week report total leads would you ever want to just like hey let's see how this week did versus last week is that, is that a question, question of the week or do you want no this is just like oh. for kevin to answer like unless not leaving out like hey i'm looking at this test yeah point, but like yeah let's compare uh -huh. the first week of april versus the last week of march and decide to do something about that if it's different yeah i feel like I, it will always be different like not yeah it's not very helpful to me because it makes you look at shadows that aren't there potentially and like like you say an overreact or be overly concerned about about really truly relatively small adjustments. What I like to do is to be thinking always about goal. So we have a sales goal every month. We and we have to hit that sales goal, or marketing fails as much as sales. And so what I like looking at is week over week is are we on pace or behind pace to hit that ultimate end goal? One week to a next, you know, the first week may come out like a rocket. You're 20% ahead of pace where you need to be from a traffic appointment standpoint. Second week may follow fall down, but if I'm still overall on trend for where I need to be for the month, I'm gonna check stuff, but I'm not going to be overly concerned. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we'll get people who ask, why was Tuesday so good and Thursday wasn't when last week it was the reverse? And I was like, I, I mean, that's when the thing that we tell salespeople never to blame, you're like, well, was the weather really good or really bad? Or was there a football game or the president was in town? What was going on? Right? You could always make it fit the narrative. Make something mm -hmm. fit. Yeah. Like, oh, there wasn't a football game. So people did <laughs> just say the opposite. Right, right. And that's why generally we ignore it. But yeah, longer periods of time. I, I really think 30 days is the ideal 
and then quarter, you know, but the 30 days is a good window of time. It's not. All right, Andrew, take us here's, home. Here's my story. story. This was a fun one. I was listening to another podcast. I know. Bad me. Um, Kevin. <laughs> I don't listen to ours, so you don't have to listen to ours. That's, that is <laughs> funny. There's, um, so I don't really watch any sports. Sorry, everybody, in case you had this expectation of me to watch anything. Um, but there's the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? Kevin, you know about them. I do. You do. They have, this is an awesome title. So the guy, the guest on the podcast was Andy O'Brien, the director of sports science and performance. Sounds like a genius. Mm. Um, and he was just going through his process of how he works with these professional top percent of the percent of the percent hockey players and how he actually gets them to be, to be better. I'm like, well, this is really interesting because it kind of fits, at least in my mind, like what, what we do. Like there's the foundational stuff. And this is what he talked about, like the baseline beginner stuff. Anyone doing anything to improve will get better at the game. So if you're like, if me, like I, I don't play hockey, I've ice skated before, but if I went and played and I just played twice a week, I'm going to do much better than I did the week before. And then if I start uh-huh. doing, you know, very basic, specific training for that, I'll get better. And said, so, but then when you get more advanced, you have to look at where is the bottleneck. And so he was talking about how he analyzes each movement, each type of uh, cadence to the hockey player, how they're skating, what position, all these things that like, you know, I have no idea, but there's so many different variables. It's the same as we, what we do in digital marketing. There's Google ads, Facebook ads. There's the ad itself. There's the copy. There's how was it set up? There's the targeting, you know, all these different variables that can, in essence, create a bottleneck. Uh-huh. And so you're looking for what is the bottleneck to improve in each part of it. If there's yep. an issue, like if someone could go flying down the ring and they're, they're crazy fast, like you don't need to improve that person's speed. Same with us. If there's enough traffic, you don't need to, the traffic is the issue. But if you're like, Hey, we got plenty of traffic, it's converting to leads, but there's no appointments from the leads. Well, maybe there, that's where the bottleneck is, is something in that process. And that could then ultimately go backwards. Like, Oh, these leads are not good. Or like, Oh, the yeah. person doesn't pick up the phone. So it's just really is an interesting way of like, just thinking about it outside of, of marketing world. Like, Oh, this is the same thing that other. Yeah. People it's one of those things that translates across all kinds yeah, of industries. Was, and it was good. Yeah. But the, his big thing was like having just understanding each core piece enough to understand where the bottlenecks are. Mm-hmm. So someday I'll, I'll probably make something that could help people. Understand that have to, be, uh, but that that means you have to be an expert in understanding what goes into each, each of those areas. Correct. Like if your click through rate on your Facebook ad is super low, like why? First of all, why would you ever look at the click through rate on the Facebook ad? But if you <laughs> are having <laughs> trouble with your Facebook ads and you pull it up, you're like, oh shoot, like that makes no sense. Like it should never be that low because all our other ads are eight percent and this one's two percent. Mm-hmm. You could go like, oh, it's not a website issue. It's Facebook ad. Well, what yeah. makes the, the creative, the targeting, the goal, Correct. right? Yeah. Exactly. All those things. Exactly. And so well, everyone and has to this be is a, this is a retelling of episode number four, how to fix a broken community. One of the most popular episodes still of all time. So go back and if you like that idea and you're a relatively new listener, go back and listen to episode number four, how to fix a broken community, where we kind of break down those bottlenecks step-by-step. Step. Yep. Do it. All right. Let's shift over to the news. And this week's 360 topic of the week, we're going to kind of do a little hybrid, no breaks, uh, may end up being a shorter episode, but probably not because once we start talking, we can't stop. No, can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh, uh, yeah. the first news article is uh, just a continuation. You know, last week we talked about Facebook and, and HUD uh, suing them and all the issues around that. And um, according to Inman, uh, who they're in, Inman, if you're not a subscriber, probably if you can afford to good, good thing to do, because they really focus on news and information related to the existing home industry. And so a couple of today's articles are going to come from there. But they had a headline that said Zillow is accused of allowing housing discrimination in listings in the wake of the HUD charging Facebook in, w- in wake of HUD charging Facebook with violations of the Fair Housing Act. Another online giant has come under renewed scrutiny. And basically, now that the dam has been broken, any type of online advertising is going to be scrutinized. And mm-hmm. Zillow's response was basically that the things that were found were old, had already been removed, but had been archived by Google Image or other places. And so they're like, hey, we're committed to making sure this doesn't work. And if we find something, we take it down or we're working on ways to correctly prevent it. So seems like this is mostly just smoke with no fire. Um, I would believe that's probably the case. Um, but it's just an interesting uh, piece. And I also was contacted by another agency, certainly not going to say any names, who was who just wanted to talk and say, you know, us and some of our clients are really concerned about possible legal issues of how things were previously done 
on social. Um, maybe in another episode, we'll break that down a little bit more. Generally speaking, and Andrew, I think you talked about this last time, as long as you are not hitting the exclude button and choosing protected classes to exclude, you're in a pretty safe gray area. Um, you generally, again, we're not, we're not lawyers. We don't pretend to be lawyers, but most of you are going to be safe as long as you're not specifically excluding protected classes in any type of your target. But just something good to go back, ask your partner, audit your own stuff and say, are we doing anything that could be negatively associated with a protected class? And again, geography is not a protected class. Zip codes are not a protected class. Facebook's reaction was an overreaction going above and beyond the law. There's nothing against targeting zip codes. Um, it's not part of part of the Fair Housing Act. So, but again, consult your own legal team. So that was just kind of a, a quick update on, on how this is spreading way beyond Facebook now. And now I want to just shift over without a break, no music this week, straight into this week's 360 topic, which I am calling the, the existing home industry is in chaos. Oh, burn. But I do nice think, thing. no, <laughs> I mean, I, I just think it's, it's a, it's a mess. It is fun to watch not being part of it. And it's fascinating. There's train wrecks going on. There's um, great forward thinking happening. There's tons of fear and, and loathing. There's um, anger. There's a whole bunch of money flying around at different things, but it's absolutely being turned upside down, inside out in, in chaos, both at the broker level, the agent level, um, platform marketplace level. It's just all over the board. Things are changing and changing fast. But I do think home buyers and sellers at the end of the day are still winning. It's just the the man in quotes or the, the framework, the system that is starting to um, just go through huge fundamental changes. So I thought it'd be fun for us to talk about that because the theory always is that whatever the existing home industry is dealing with, we're going to be dealing with most likely in the next three to five years. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But the um, first article, again, from Inman.com, Realtor.com is getting out of lead gen's business, kind of following in Zillow's, Zillow's lead and brokers are freaking out. Now, let's just kind of set the stage here. Uh, back last year, Zillow, for their premier agent program, which is a program where you know agents pay money to be a premier agent for a certain geographical area. They're supposed to get more leads. You know, they show up on the form, they get more leads. Yeah, that's and they that's show the up on other people's listings if that person yeah. that listed it is not a premier agent, right? Um, yeah. Well, yeah. No, no matter what, there are multiple agents that can be selected. Yes, in the, in that contact form. Um, okay. So you, the, the idea was, it's a lead gen platform. You pay, you get more leads than the person who doesn't, and it's your job to convert those leads into cash uh, and transactions for you. Uh, around April of last year, Zillow started limiting that and saying basically two things were happening. The agents were not responding well enough to those leads. And so they weren't converting. And the I feedback was coming back their way of <laughs> why are you giving us all these bad leads, Zillow? We don't think we should be paying for this. There's more to it, I'm sure. But from the outside, that's what that's what it looked like. And so Zillow said, great, no problem. You know what? We're going to start scrubbing these leads for you. We're going to respond instantly. We're going to make sure that they're actually a, a buyer or a seller interested in talking to you. And then we will, through our concierge program, pass that person over to you. And an interesting thing happened. What do you think happened? Were, were people happy about that? Not happy didn't. about that? Mm, I'm thinking not like so much. Because why? Because control. Zillow's, <laughs> exactly. Zillow's name, control, which is interesting because other industries sell leads that they're like, you know, live transfer leads. Like I'm, I'm probably speaking other words that people aren't familiar with, but that scrubbed is like a more premium thing. Mm -hmm. instead of, like you want that. Hey, I'm buying scrub leads. These are already vetted. Yes. They're live transferred yeah. right when they want something. Cool. Send them my way. Yep. Yep. Interesting. But Zillow underestimated how much uh, agents like to curl up to bed at night with their pile of, of unresponded leads <laughs> or leads that they don't respond to, but they feel good about having them um, because agents freaked out and basically said, you know, my phone's not ringing. My emails aren't coming in. Yeah, sure. These are okay that they come across, but I, I don't get enough of them to make me feel comfortable. So they freaked out. Zillow walked back on that decision and decided to offer options to premier agents um, so that they didn't have more churn of people choosing not to be a premier agent. Okay. All that context to say now realtor.com says, you know what? There's something to this. And, and we're going to use a company that we purchased op city to go into away from a lead gen model. And then similarly, not surprising, AA agents are freaking out. Um, so one of the reasons why they're freaking out, you're not going to have to pay for advertising in this test that they're running. Oh, cool. So yeah, That's no, awesome. no money out of pocket. You only pay when you actually close on a sale that comes from realtor.com. Sounds right. fair, right? Sounds amazing. Yeah. No yeah. risk at all. You just get yeah. clients None. left and right. Boom. But OpCity slash realtor.com wants to charge a 35% referral fee. <laughs> Oh, 
for that on the total commission or whatever, which is still on the commission that 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 agent would have made from that part of their sale. That that individual agent's commission. At the gotcha after the broker yeah. splits it. Or do, what do you think? I don't. Did they say like? Uh, no, it doesn't say. But it's gonna most. I mean, they don't. What what does OpCityRealtor.com care about how the broker agent is set yeah, up? I guess that yeah. They, if it, they yeah. don't. Look on their site. It says real estate referrals pre-screened and live transferred on OpCity.com. And yeah. how would that work if you split it with two realtors, a buyer and a seller realtor? Well, that's I think whoever is being is getting the referral from Realtor.com, they're going to split their half. I imagine. Oh, okay. Or they're gonna they're gonna pay the thirty five percent out of their half. But I don't think I think Realtor.com OpCity is looking at it saying we're we're helping you generate this much revenue. You guys figure out amongst yourselves how the rest of that split yeah. works. But we want our thirty five percent. You peasants over there, you, you figure it out. <laughs> yep. No and um, I was looking at some tweets. I can't remember who this was. The real quick conservative calculation was without even really trying and without it being very successful, this could be a half a billion dollar revenue generator for Realtor.com just because of wow. the amount of, of leads that are passed off. Now, I think this is interesting and it does relate to us again now of, uh, I'm just going to read this one part here. Uh, one of the agents slash brokers told Inman that there are teams in the suburban Minneapolis market that have full-time inside sales agents and half of their business slash leads comes from Realtor.com. He heard the news directly from a sales executive that the change was coming to his market. He said, you know, we're so dependent on this that if half of our lead volume goes away, then maybe your inside sales agent also goes away because you can't afford to keep them and you don't have an alternative lead source. And so all of a sudden the team starts to break down. I'm not, we don't have time to go into how maybe this person should be thinking about it instead of just doom and gloom. But it's interesting that they have online salespeople inside sales agents and they're saying this is a huge lead source for us. And now that's going to go away because we're just going to get handed over the lead for a referral fee. This is going to potentially impact people's lives. Um, it's essentially like a centralized, a centralized OSC for realtors through realtor.com because mm-hmm. they're kind of sending yep. an appointment kind of. They're, they're, they're sending this qualified person, right area, right price, right time yep. frame. Yep. But, but there's realtors. less personal touch. There's less personal touch. Well, and that's that. That's but kind of should be quicker. going back to how do you convert looks at this idea generally is if you have a terrible ISA, this realtor.com model is great. But if your ISA converts way beyond industry average, say 70% of your sales come from that ISA, or they convert 60% of those inbound leads to an appointment, then you hate this. And so that's why we try to help builders that you convert, build inside sales teams and online sales teams. What is, are you like being attacked again by your cat? Yes. Oh my. I tried to lock him out, but it's pouring. So now he's trying to jump on my high desk and he can't quite get there because he's old. This is crazy. Your cat is mad about this. Put some catnip in a hamster ball and let him just tackle it for a while. You need another cat, I think is the only solution. The other the other cat is sleeping like a good oh, cat. <laughs> See, this is the only one I know about. This is why there are two reasons why we're excited for Becca to be building a house, everybody. One is that uh, her new office will have a door that she can close to keep out the cats. <laughs> yes. And the second is that she's been working on basically dial-up internet for the last yes. almost year now. Somehow. Yeah. It's not quite that bad, wait. but almost. So we're it's excited. <laughs> that. Yeah, you okay. have like 100 down, 400 down, crazy. You have like real speed. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm excited for you. Yeah. But back Back to the back to the article, <laughs> and do you convert you know online sales programs that we help people create? Our whole idea is you want to have an internal team that you control that that beats the competition, that follows up better, that beats those industry averages, because then you can use that team on every type of lead source, not just a realtor.com lead source, but anything that's coming in as a lead. And so I just anyway, that's um that's the first part is just this whole idea of realtor.com, Zillow, everyone is continuing to morph how they're playing the game. You've got Open Door partnering with home building companies trying to, to help people get rid of their existing house. You've got agents continually crying about the world ending and their ability to connect directly with consumers being challenged. Oh, if you want to see that, look at any of the Enman Facebook posts and look at the comments on any of oh, yeah. the... Oh, yeah. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> like it's, it's how I start my day every day. Yeah. I look at it. Yep. It's awesome. Yep. I got into my first uh, fight on Twitter, which I wasn't fighting, but this guy wouldn't stop just because because when, uh, when the new CEO of, of Zillow was announced, I, I think that he's much more proactive at going towards this larger, bigger goal. And we're going to get into that more here in a minute. But I was like, hmm, might be an interesting time to buy some stock. And this realtor from, I don't know, Baltimore or somewhere was like, I'm shorting the stock and you're an idiot, basically. And I was like, well, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm an idiot. idiot, but here's my thoughts. And he's like, nope, you're an idiot. You're dumb. <laughs> this doesn't work. And I was just uh, like, okay, uh, man, well, you have a good weekend. So, <laughs> so anyway, there's just the, the amount of, of people freaking out. And at the end of the day... Uh-huh. 
And this is why I, I still, regardless of how, how it all ends up working, not that this is a financial show, I think Zillow stock is one to purchase because, and I, and I don't have any yet, to be clear, I don't know what laws I have to say about that uh, <laughs> since we're broadcasting this. But I, I think like in almost everything else, there will only be two or three ultimate winners. And this is probably longer term when I'm getting ready to retire, but there will be two or three companies that will dominate and huge amount of consolidation will occur because that's just how technology impacts businesses today. You can scale so fast. And once you have the consumer like Facebook's dominance in social media, it's just you are you know, Facebook and Instagram is it. And sure, there's Twitter, sure, there's Snapchat, but it doesn't really matter. And I think it's going to be the same thing when it comes to how existing homes are bought and sold in the next five to 10 years. And I don't think it's that far much beyond that, where we're going to have a lot fewer home building companies than we do right now mm-hmm. for a lot of the same reasons. Economies of scale, technology, it's just, it's it's going to, it's going to come. And I'm not scared. I think just think it's, it's, it's inevitable and you got to have strategy to work through it. Okay. So right. last part of our, the, the existing home industry is in chaos is how people responded on Twitter, Facebook, and elsewhere to a little interview that a gentleman named Rich Barton gave. <laughs> He's the founder, ex-CEO of Expedia, founder, co-founder of Zillow, um, now back in the, the CEO chair as well. Uh, he, he did it. He sat down and did an interview with NPR and their show called Here and Now. And we've got some audio clips. And so this first clip, the interviewer just says, hey, it seems like you're kind of changing your strategy of, of how Zillow interacts with consumers, how your advertising platform works. A lot of things seem to be moving. What's what's going on? So we're going to play his answers and then we're going to talk real quick about our thoughts on, on what he said. We are finally attacking the transaction and we view mortgage lending, getting a mortgage is an essential part of that transaction. Can you imagine taking an Uber ride and not having integrated payments? It wouldn't quite be so magical. And so we are working on digitizing the mortgage, making it a much more streamlined process and making that payment for what we call Zillow offers. And not to mention title and escrow and all those closing services that that most of your listeners out there, when they buy and sell a home, they're faced with this huge stack of documents at the end of the process that is using. And we're going to digitize that and streamline the whole thing. Pretty clear. He's like, hey, we live in a push button, magic happens economy. That's what that's the consumer wants to have happen. And all these excuses about this being too complicated for real estate, we don't care anymore. We're going to make this happen. Pretty nice. Pretty bold awesome. statement. You guys. Financing isn't fun. Uh, Becca, you're probably like right in the middle of it or finishing up. We, yeah. haven't, we haven't restarted it yet. You know, when you build new, you, here's the deposit. You pretty much do the financing and then you wait again till the end. Um, right. So it's, you're probably not having we just much fun. restarted, got to submit all the paperwork and oh, then gosh. wait. Yeah. You think so you just. We've submitted all the paperwork. Now we're just waiting. And uh, yeah, I think there's definitely an easier way to do it. Well, let, let's just start with the concept of buying and selling homes at the push of a button. Do we like that concept? Do we think that is, I mean, it's that where yeah. things are heading? I think so. Why not? It I seems, buy my furniture, my yeah. sneakers, everything. Seems totally possible. Like click a button, yep. looks up my whole life, tracks all, of, all my stuff that I don't want anyone to know. And then they say, hey, here you go. You're good. You're approved. Can it, it be made really too easy? easy do you yes. think? I feel like the, I, oh, go ahead. You go back up. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's super important that whatever we do is highly encrypted and secure as secure as it can be. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be a major investment. That's a good point. Here's my first contrarian thought because I love yes. being, <laughs> I love being that person. Uh-huh. So I've closed on, I think, four houses in my life since 2006 mm-hmm. or so. And I don't read all those documents, right? I'm, I'm supposed no to, I don't, I don't, yeah. but I can sign them and move on. And mm-hmm. if I get a mortgage through the press of a button, it's going to make me sign off on stuff. And I think what's going to happen is they're going to do that. I hate when, when the EULAs that you have to sign for software, the yeah. end user license agreement, That's they make you scroll through to the bottom. Yeah. I think it may actually take me longer to sign off digitally on all my paperwork if it makes me actually scroll through and look at it versus yeah. just, okay, sign here on this page, sign here on that page, sign on that page. Because if they don't, I feel like people are going to be like, well, I just clicked the button. You you expected me, like I didn't read 46 pages of, of data. I just pushed the button. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I just think I um, that. that that's the part I'm strangely most fascinated to see how they handle is. Uh, and they could force like uh, some type of education component to it. If oh, that makes no, sense. please you don't make me watch like, a video. Not make you about... watch like a webinar, but like, here's what this page means. Mm. And you're going to watch this 30 second video as if you are closing in person. And this person who's not an attorney is explaining this contract that they don't. Yeah. Know, right. And, and that's, I guess, to digress even further. When I say like America is Walmart, what I mean by that is the majority of people who buy stuff at a retail store at some percentage of their time go into a Walmart in America. So I'm not trying to <laughs> make any type of other stereotype other than say, what's the, what's that website? Um, pictures from Walmart. Walmart. P- 
people of Walmart, Walmart right? Yeah, I own it. I'm people of Walmart, it. we're saying, are going to buy and sell their homes at the push of a button. I don't know why, but that scares me for them. Like, because they're they're not necessarily going to know what to think and what to question when it's, it's just yeah. like, oh, this is so easy. Do it. And then they're going to be in a scenario where, oh, I didn't realize that the house I wanted, I can't afford, but I just sold my house at a push of a button. How do I undo that? Uh, where's the undo button? <laughs> I just, yeah. I worry that for those who aren't experienced enough, this could actually cause some unforeseen challenges. Yeah. We'll find out. That's we'll find I think out. that it's inevitable, like in 20 years, we'll, like with this conversation, I think we'd be like, isn't that crazy? Like, yes, so you have to go meet somewhere, take time off from work. Oh, it's crazy now. Weird office, right. like, I don't want to. Like, what the I, like, when I, no when I talked at uh, the Epcon National Conference last week, I normally like to give out some prizes and I forgot to bring prizes. And I thought to myself, how am I going to do this? Because I, I, I want to make it as easy as possible. So I gave people my business card and I said, send me an email and I will ship you something from Amazon because as a millennial, I cannot be bothered to go to the post office. I just, no. it doesn't yeah. matter if it's prepackaged, wrapped up by some, I just, that's the, I can't, I can't make myself get there to do it. Um, so I think it's all crazy now. I do. It needs to be simplified. I just worry about certain people being taken advantage of, not by, not being taken advantage of by Zillow necessarily, but by other people who are going to do similar things and not yeah. have the same care for the consumer that I think Zillow generally displays. Yeah. The margin of, of stupid. I nope. don't, no, not the right word. I was going to say <laughs> ambiguity mm-hmm. is better than mine. Huge. Yes. So, it, I mean, I, I think there'll probably be a period where things happen as, let me see if I can say Well, and right. again, to be fair, it's happening now. I mean, that's yeah, the, yeah. the worst banner ads on the internet are things having to do with getting a mortgage or refinancing. Yeah. They're the well, sleaziest, worst yeah. stuff out there. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is we'll learn from our mistakes and mm-hmm. new regulations will be put in place to protect people. Yes. Regulations yep. by people who don't know what social media is. But yes. that's another... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Both sides okay. of the aisle, they don't know what the internet is. No, All but right. that will change. Let's uh, let's listen in on the second clip here from Rich talking about further down the rabbit hole, what he hopes to be able to accomplish. Guided through our investor communications that in the three to five year time frame, we could see doing $20 billion a year uh, in sales, which would be about 5,000 homes a month. Mm-hmm. So we're ramping quick. So his goal through Zillow offers is to, within the next three to five years, be purchasing roughly 5,000 homes a month. Which means his goal is also to, within the next 60-ish days or less, be selling 5,000 homes a month. So he's really just trying to be a holding company so that you can go buy your house without the stress of having to worry about selling the house you already have. Yes. He's trying to reduce the friction throughout the process. And he's hoping that by bundling all these services together and simplifying them, that he doesn't have to just make money on the transaction of the home. He else is going to make money on the mortgage, on the title and all the other ancillary parts of that that transaction. And okay. so as a total, it's a it could be a huge win for, for Zillow and other iBuyer programs. But let's just talk about 5,000 homes for a second. <laughs> that is a lot of homes. That The the first builder that I started with, Miranda, they did about 6,000 homes a year, six to 8,000, I think, in 2003 to 2006 or so, homes a year in Florida. They were a $2 billion organization at the time. That's That is, that would make Zillow, if it was a home builder in terms of the amount of transactions, a top 30 home building company, I think, by today's by today's numbers, roughly. Yeah, 5,000. Yes, a lot. And and this isn't Zillow specific. This is iBuyers in general. But what do you think that does in terms of competition? Like right now, not just, well, let's just talk about existing, competition for existing brokers. If Zillow has a home for sale with a sign out front that says this is a basically Zillow certified in essence home, mm-hmm. what is the existing real estate agent next door with a listing that's trying to charge more money, I feel like they're yeah. they're in trouble. I yep. agree. Prices go down. Especially if you it know the... It gets to be... Go ahead. Okay. If, if you know the transactions, like, oh, I, buying with Zillow is so easy. Like, you just click a button and mm-hmm. you know that, like, they bought the home. I would assume they have some type of inspection process for them to buy it. They're not going to buy some with issues compared to yep. the... Like, you just don't know. It's not It's not like the realtor's doing something bad or, or something, but you're like, well, I know that Zillow doesn't buy stuff. It's junk. It's like CarMax or whatever. Who, who knows? There's no, I think it's a great analogy. Inspection. It's yeah. like, you trust the brand more because you're like, they'll do good. They'll do good because mm-hmm. they don't want to deal with stuff. They're in a business to have easy transactions, not make it that much money for the owner of that property. Right. Um, no, I, be, I think that's... I wonder if you'd even, if they would work with realtors, if you're like a buyer's agent. Oh yeah. No, they, they still yeah. will work with with okay. um, with realtors. Absolutely. And that's that's their point is that when that they're selling be. homes, especially, they are fully expecting and almost at this point anyway, want to partner with a broker on the other end. Gotcha. Which could be good for that broker if you're like... Because they just want to get that house 
house sold. They do not want to hang on to it for an extended period of time because time is money. All right, next clip. Ideally, I would like to have this estimate be a live offer for every house in the country. Uh, now, it will take quite some time uh, to get there, I think, Jeremy, but that is where we're headed. So the estimate slowly, the goal is to transform that into at any point in time, I can not just get an idea of what my house is worth, but I will know what Zillow is willing to pay for it right now. Ooh. I have so many questions about this. All right, let's hear them. One, if I'm the seller, is my Zestimate actual value of my home if I were to sell it myself? Or is it, you know, I might well, take yeah, in I, 5% off uh-huh. to sell it right now? So right, that you exactly. What you're explaining was what I was thinking too, is that the definition of what the Zestimate is will have to change in order for that to be the case. Yep. Yeah. Or... Like Zestimate and buy it now? Or Zillow's margin, the amount less that they're willing to pay what the market value is, will have to continue to get smaller. That's two sides of that can happen. Yeah. Zillow right now might, might say we want to try to pay 5% less than market value or 6% less. If they can get that to one or two, I think it, not they, anyone can get it to one or two, it's game over. Because if you're only paying a one or 2% premium to get yeah. rid of all this mess, I think that's 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 an easy button. Yeah, even more so if, if they, I wonder if they, I want to say they're being sneaky with this, but if that's the Zestimate and then there's some type of excludes repainting fee, I don't know, not that they want to like nickel and dime on it, the, but there, maybe there's some type of- No, that's part of the beauty is like when, you, when you get the, when you get the offer, that's, that's to not fix anything. They're not going to charge you. That's the check. Boom. That's that's because they don't want to flip. That's a flipper thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, but my other question, if that margin, is, well, hold on that, if that margin doesn't okay. decrease, then the definition of assessment will have to change because what well, you're saying, the assessment will be what Zillow's willing to pay for it. Not right now. The assessment is supposed to be fair market value yep. within a given range based on so their it would have to change of the area. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. And then my other question is how to you how do you, how do you as Zillow protect yourself from pricing because you've got your estimate here you're buying you're selling you're basically setting prices and you're going to be one of the largest companies in the United States to buy and sell homes yeah and this is why I love watching this is because you get to play chess in your head with something that doesn't <laughs> impact us it's just a good mental game for me but I think that's if the estimate becomes the offer then yeah. that is going to create a market for some other organization to say you know what we're not in the business of buying and selling at all we're just in the business of giving you true fair market information to protect yourself against an iBuyer doing price fixing like okay. I think that that creates an opportunity for someone else if if the same person providing the data is also the person purchasing and or selling the home for you I think it's a great point all right moving on I think maybe what you're referring to is hey is Zillow going to get stuck holding inventory mm-hmm. when when a market crashes and it turns out that even in the great market crash that we all love to forget uh, that's in our lifetimes in, in, in the global financial crisis, housing prices actually just didn't move that very quickly. They don't move very fast. And it's our intention of creating Zillow offers to hold the house only for a very short period of time. We're really offering this as a service to sellers. So this was in response to the question of, are you concerned that if the market turns, the Zillow is going to get stuck with 5,000 houses that nobody wants? And listening to his answer, I, just, I mean, the guy is so smart and, and the company is so smart. And I'm not a shill for Zillow. I, yes, my dog's stage name is Zillow. But, you know, the company is by no means perfect. They make mistakes all the time. I think that though there's a lot of really smart people there who course correct when those mistakes happen and keep trying to improve. And this is just a wow thing when I heard this of, of course, if they're trying to churn the houses every 60 days, their risk that one, they can slow down purchasing very, very quickly. So they're not continuing to feed it. Two, they can watch the risk in front of them and reduce their margins much faster, almost at real time to make sure that they don't get stuck. And then his point is when the market, when the market turns, everyone doesn't lower their price by 20% in a week. We're going to have yeah. plenty of time over the next 60 days, which is our ideal time to get rid of those homes to work our way out of it before we get stuck. Now, what does that do to the company's revenue if they're not buying homes because they're not certain that it's going to be a good investment for them to do so when your company is set up and built to acquire 5,000 homes a month? That's an interesting question that I, I think you should have followed up with, but he didn't. But that's um, very, very insightful. All right, last one, but number five. Uh, we're definitely not house flippers. We're not looking to take advantage of uh, distressed sellers and make unusual profit. That's not what we're doing. We really want to have mass appeal for convenience and price certainty and to offer this as a service. This is this goes back to what you were talking, I think, about Becca is for right now, for the purposes of this conversation, I would say I trust Rich Barton that that's what he wants to do. Yeah. But at the same time, as a consumer, that's what I'm like. This sounds a little bit like Facebook saying, trust us, our algorithms will be, you know, we'll find all the bad things and we're all, yeah. we all have good intentions here. I think what he's saying 
point is we want to keep the consumer's trust at all costs. And so we're not going to take advantage of people. But at the same time, if it becomes as big of an opportunity for all iBuyers as we think it may be at some point, yeah. that is a little bit worrisome for the consumer. Yeah, there's definitely room for nefarious things to happen. Not that they would do it, yeah. but maybe others, the opportunity is there. Exactly. But I think, again, a good long-term perspective of, of course, we're not going to try to flip houses and take advantage of distressed sellers because even though we make money on that transaction, no one feels good about it other than us. And if we want right. repeat customers and word of mouth to spread about how easy and good this is, it's got to be, it's not push a button, get screwed financially. It's put, <laughs> yeah. it's push a button and be okay with the trade-off and feel at the end of the day that it's worth it. Yeah. I think if it's transparent and you know when you take the Zillow offer that it's 5% lower than you could get yourself, but that you're paying that percentage for the convenience and the security of being able to walk away from your house yep. the day you want to walk away from it and walk into the new one the day you want to walk I think they the need one. to have the public perception that they do offer at retail nor re or very close to retail pricing like yeah. if for if sure the, and I think I don't know yeah. where I saw this percentage but I think right now they're somewhere between five and nine percent which on half a million that's mm -hmm. so yeah. that still might be like a bad story for like you know, yeah but you're always always in quotes I mean I tell everyone to sell their house on their own using Zillow and Facebook mm -hmm. together but no one ever listens to me because it's scary <laughs> if you're already going to pay six percent to a real estate agent and then you're going to pay one one and a half percent to fix up the house and make it look presentable yeah. and then you're going to have temporary moving expenses and you're going to you know at the end of the day even sure. at eight percent it's kind yeah. of a deal if you really sit down and, and look at the I math think if they sell that store not sell the store but if they like i think it's all back to transparency if they are transparent here's how much it costs to sell it on your own and somehow have it like yeah. appear honest and like they're using real numbers like and that's why it all goes back to the yeah. zestimate and the importance of the zestimate and why they did the million dollar prize is if you trust zillow's valuation then when they show that math of here's how much you'd have to pay an agent anyway then then the math works and you trust it if you don't trust that initial zestimate value of the home then it doesn't mm -hmm. matter how you break it down and try to tell that story and i think that's why they have an advantage is because generally people to, to the chagrin of real estate agents everywhere and yeah. sometimes home builders people kind of like that zestimate they do i know the i know the realtors don't that is like the biggest complaint in the um inman facebook comments is like oh, zestimate blah, blah like and bad words that i won't say yeah um it's always i'm like what the? and and to me it's, it's weird maybe it's because i'm more biased i like tech and digital but i'm like a person is less trustworthy to assume the like they're getting the same data that zillow has but then the person is supposedly adding on their local expertise and things but mm -hmm. it's like are, are sure. they but like zillow is having property tax records just like they yeah, are what's right. been sold i don't know it's, i just go back to it's the word estimate with a z on yeah. it and last i checked estimate yeah. does not mean the gold standard of how much your home is yeah. worth it's an estimate and i guess a realtor can't really say your home is your home is worth what it sells for uh right versus what the realtor can, says yes. it's worth as much educated yeah yeah absolutely And we're back. I am super excited for like the next five years and the chaos that will likely happen when KW and like all the other, you know, brokerage places will start going, hey, maybe this is the way we could generate leads. Yeah, competing for sure. With mm -hmm. All that. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. And, you know, everyone talks about the 5,000, not everyone, but a lot of people in our inner circle are talking about, you know, wow, they say they want to buy 5,000 homes a month. I still go back to that means that they are planning to sell 5,000 homes a month. And that's the that we always talk about competing against resale uh, as new mm -hmm. home builders. When you're competing against a resale that's as easy as buying with a push of a button tour whenever you want with or without a person, it's going to it's going to be a a few years but it, all that chaos that we just talked about is heading our way for It'll sure imagine when they have the like instead of just buy but like close in two days with it like like oh, hey it's yeah. friday i want to close because they'll have the whole process i want to be done by monday or tuesday whatever day it is like that mm -hmm. is going to be like Ooh, i don't I mean, yeah i'm excited drama. to hear the experiences from people that go through that entire process through them yeah. yeah and the kw news just broke not too long ago so i haven't spent enough time reading into it but all the headlines that i've seen talked a lot more about them being a all cash 
cash iBuyer, which I don't really understand. Mm. The, I mean, I understand what mortgages and cash buyers yeah. look like, but I don't understand why that's such a hot point yet. I haven't done enough research. I don't know either. I need to research it. Anyway, that's Anywho. the 360s over. We're on to the answers to last week's question of the week. But before we do, we tease it at the top, but we are, again, officially sold out the online sales and marketing summit for 2019 awesome. in Chicago. Woo-woo! So exciting. That's awesome. 150 yeah. people. Very right. exciting. 150 of the top marketers. Uh, 150 wow. marketers, online salespeople, yes. some owners uh, sneaking in this year. We do have the leadership track as well. So um, that was a, that a, was a good, huge hit. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good hit last year. And, and people really liked maybe the ones who aren't getting their hands dirty, but want to know how to manage uh, the positions. And so uh, that's back again this year. Chicago is going to be a blast. The venue is going to be going to be fun. But, you know, the best part about selling out so fast What's as that? a marketer is that we don't have to market it anymore. anymore. We're done. <laughs> which oh, also means huge. You don't have to hear about us talk about it anymore either. So Summit has come. It is essentially gone. And until we do our live episode, you probably won't hear it again. And that's as a marketer, it makes me happy because it's just yeah. moving on to the next thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, speaking of, let's move on to the question of the week. Yes, this is this is my favorite question in my my design world. But the question yeah. was, what design software do you use to edit images or create slash create ads? So it's very exciting to see some of these answers. Yeah. You and know, you could pick more than one, too. So yeah, I guess we should uh, be clear of that. Yes. So to kick things off, the first coming in at 42 percent, which made wow. my heart so happy, was Photoshop. Adobe Photoshop was number one. That's my jam. That was that was very exciting to see. I know through the years that number has definitely had a steady incline. That's awesome. Number yeah, two. Oh. I have just one thought here, which is Photoshop is great for editing photos and doing photo touch ups. It's not very intuitive. I've never I mean, that's where Illustrator and other tools, if you're going to create an ad, even a digital ad, mm-hmm. Photoshop is not the ideal place. And that's why I added one that you're going to get to later. But there's actually a better Adobe product, way better, way faster, way easier if you're just doing um, basic photo work. So we're going to mm-hmm. get there in a minute. But it could be opportunity for a large portion of you to up your game and make your life better if you're using Photoshop for everything. Yeah, I agree. Number two was coming in at 20% of the votes was Canva, which for those of you who don't know, it's pretty cool. I, it's it a really cool, cool app, app website to go on and check out. Okay, I'm glad I get to pick your brain on this because my cool. perspective as a, as a um, stuck up person trained formally yeah. as a designer, like Canva, <laughs> that's the design app for non-designers. Is that it true, is. Jackie, or, or no? I, I feel like, and, and I tend to agree with you, Kevin, just because my background, I mean, I don't think I'd exist if everybody just used Canva, but it was just more or less for people that I find in the home builders, everybody's doing five different jobs. Yeah. So somebody who comes in and maybe isn't the best designer, doesn't have 100% that ability to start from scratch. Something like this is nice to go in and have a foundation to work off of. Good. But so. does it does it give you enough control that you could be pacified as a designer? Enough? Me personally, no. Because okay. I, I like to be more hands-on, being mm-hmm. able to tweak things. You're somewhat limited. So for me, if I need to do, you know, if you jump on you, they're great for grids, you know, if different things that's real nice to be able to drop yeah, pictures like in and the grids are awesome. But in terms of really the nitty gritty details with design, I Adobe has my heart with that. So sure. I, I'd cool. say that's my favorite. If you don't have an external resource, that's not in the budget like this would, that would be my, hey, yeah. you make something and it will look good without you have a crazy in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Okay. And uh, so that was number two. Number three, 19% of votes was Adobe Illustrator. Oh my, that's my name. Which so, that one I hope they're only using for ad creation because if you're editing yes. photos in Illustrator, we're going to have to have a talk. Yeah, you're not, you're not getting too far <laughs> with that. But I so looked that at was, who voted in that one and it's definitely the, uh, the designers. The, uh, yeah. yeah. The well, you guys, course. you probably yeah. will see some of my formatting. Sure. It's like, I tend to, depending with creation, I'm, I work in between the Illustrator and Photoshop just depending yep. on what the project is. So yep. kind of yep. have to know uh, your way around the ropes there with Illustrator. It's a little oh, bit. Definitely. Yep. Um, then 11% in for the fourth in design. So that was. That's all our print marketing people. (laughs) People doing flyer updates and, (laughs) and, uh, newspaper ads or magazine ads. Maybe, I don't know. Is it, I mean, you think anyone's using InDesign for anything else? Digital PDF (gasps) documents, you know, I I would say it's that, or I, I personally, I think a lot of it too, depending on levels, skill set in design. And we'll get to another one that's somewhat easier to use a little bit user friendly Uh in the sense of you don't have so many options. You're very overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. I would say InDesign is a more user-friendly option than Illustrator. 
Illustrator if you're just trying to do basic layout and some mm-hmm. shapes and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. And then two tied for third place or not third place, 3% is Lightroom and Pick Monkey. All right. So Kevin, I was going to say Lightroom. Was that the one yeah, you were? So I yeah. love Lightroom. If you, if you either get photography from a professional photographer or you are, you or someone on your team is pretty good at taking relatively good photos uh, first go around and you're not finding that you're having to do major edits in Photoshop or huge retouches or adjustments. Lightroom is just hands down the best way to make quick edits to take your photo from like an eight out of 10 to a 10 out of 10. In fact, their auto adjustment in that program is freaking amazing at what it can do. And really, it seems like Adobe's path is more and more to encourage Lightroom to be really what photographers are using exclusively. And Photoshop is really for extensive touch up and adjustment work in prep for a major print campaign or digital campaign or um, manipulation more of photographs. Whereas Lightroom is just, it's awesome. I, I just love it. Even as a, as a way to organize uh, photos in addition to just making them better. Uh, cool. Contrast, HDR work, um, fixing skies. A lot of times, you know, we have a photo of a home and then the sky is, is blown out and you can have filters and graduated filters. Uh, it's just awesome. I, I've, I've really gotten more into Lightroom over the last two years and absolutely love it for, for image stuff. And PicMonkey, I've never heard of before, but kind of like a different version of Canva, maybe with more mm-hmm. social specific use. That's what it looks like. Yeah, it looked like that. I was going to say too, with how things are going, I know, you know, even just two years ago, the number for Photoshop, Kevin, you never know. Lightroom, give it, you know, I'd be curious in two years if we start asking that question again, how much that percentage would go up because just stay yeah. constantly ahead of the curve. And well, and it really does have to do with how well your photos are taken. I mean, if you're yeah. finding that the, the general rule of thumb is if you have to take more than a minute, minute and a half to adjust a photo, you shot it wrong. But again, mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't professional photographers. And so you may need more time Photoshop and do those adjustments. Um, but pick, pick monkey. I mean, we, I have, ext- I mean, I love Jen, Jen Nowak and, and Amy uh, from Sublime Homes as well. So it's working for those guys. Maybe something for people to check out if you're currently using Canva and you want to try something, something mm-hmm. different too. And then, All right. And last but not yeah. least. <laughs> last but not least, a publisher. Oh boy. <laughs> I thought that was a joke on your end, Andrew, when you put that in, I think, right? I don't know if I added it. Yeah, I did add it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, yeah. I think that was I like the, the who's going to check there. this who's box. Who's going to do it? Sure enough. Yeah. And again, for printed publications, maybe, but. Ugh. Yeah. I feel like, and I, this may be the unfiltered way of saying it, but it's almost like just that one step of, above like word almost. It's just kind of like just on the brink there. You're I feel like, like if just, you're using publisher, you may also be using Microsoft Paint. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's the same thing. So. <laughs> but maybe it's just business cards. So publisher, for those of you who don't know, it's like the Vins version of InDesign. So it's, it's a layout tool. So maybe for business cards or gotcha. very basic print material could yes. be, could be helpful. Agreed. So it was really nice, <laughs> really nice to see those yeah. answers. And then just even, I know what I've done before is just how to videos and different things, different techniques and tips, tricks. It's nice to know now what everyone's working in so that you know, whip up yeah. some of those. Pretty clear. You know, you're going to be spending time on Photoshop, Canva and Illustrator. Yep. So yep. That's we all need them. to help you guys with some resources around that stuff. So great. Sure. That's awesome. Good. That is awesome. Good stuff. For published Thanks. articles, blog posts, videos and more, check out deconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and anywhere else we are online. Have a fantastic week and we will see you next time. See you. Bye.